Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights, brought to you by Lumina Health Partners, a national healthcare consulting firm focused on improving the strategic, financial, and operational performance of provider organizations. On this program, we will explore trends and share valuable insights on how health systems and medical groups can optimize their performance to meet the demands of this increasingly complex healthcare environment and shift to transform the delivery of care. Value-Based Care Insights is hosted by Daniel Marino, Managing Partner of Lumina Health Partners. Daniel has been in the industry for over three decades and specializes in shaping strategic initiatives for organizations in areas such as population health, clinical integration, physician alignment, information technology, and data analytics. For additional insights, visit LuminaHP.com and sign up for our newsletter. Dan, over to you. Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm your host, Daniel Marino. In today's episode, as we wrap up 2022 and prepare ourselves for 2023, we thought it would be good to spend a couple of minutes um, sort of looking back on, on, on some of the successes and the challenges we've had in 2022, but as healthcare leaders and in our industry is preparing for 2023, to spend a couple of minutes talking about some of the strategies that we're seeing. As we look back in 2022, I think it's certainly continues to be interesting in healthcare. I think ever since the pandemic, we've uh, healthcare has really gone through a lot of disruptive change. Some of it for the better, some of it has been, I think, a challenge. And for many organizations, it's created quite a bit of challenge from a financial perspective, competition perspective, thinking about how we wanted to restructure our business. As I kind of think through a few things, and as organizations position themselves for 2023, we do have to leverage some of the, I think, the good things that we've done, but also some of those challenges. Tell me with today's discussion, I'm very excited to have my colleague, Lucy Zielinski, managing partner of Lumina Health Partners, joining me today in the discussion. Lucy, welcome. Thank you, Dan. Happy to be here. As I think back, Lucy, in 2022, uh, you know, again, I think it's been fascinating to watch how healthcare continues to evolve. I think some of those have occurred as a result of a lot of the economic financial pressures that we've had. So for instance, wage inflation, overall inflation in, in our economy has definitely impacted healthcare. We continue to see a lot of issues with workforce certainly in our nursing arena, but overall just trying to recruit people into some key positions in healthcare, you know, is, is, has been a challenge. But more so I think than that, two other areas uh, certainly resonate with me as, as being really challenges to our provider community. One is the continued pressure on, on finances. Um, you know, before the pandemic, as we've talked about, many hospitals struggled with their operating margins, either at break even or one, two, three percent if they were lucky. Now, as as we see a lot of the past reports coming out or reports of the the, the past activity over the last few months, 
the pressures, financial pressures on hospitals and health systems are even greater, many of them operating at a loss. But the other area that's fascinating to me is the is, is the fast movement of these non-traditional providers entering into the healthcare space, like the Amazons of the world, big retail, and so forth. So when you look back and, and, and think about the activities that have happened in 2022, what have been a couple of those that have really resonated with you as, as being, let's say, big drivers of change? Yeah, no doubt, Dan. It's been a it's been a tough year, I think, for many health organizations, health providers, and I think you hit it. Um, one of the main challenges organizations have had is around um, their financial position. Uh, they're struggling, Dan, and I don't know that in 2023 it's going to be that much easier. Um, as we saw, even in the final rule uh, for Medicare that came out for the physician fee schedule, there's a reduction there in the, in the conversion factor of about 4.5. And I think what we're seeing, too, is, um, you know, we've been doing quite a bit of revenue cycle assessments for healthcare providers. And what we're learning is that there's, there are a lot of denials. I mean, denial rates are still very high. So there's an opportunity for healthcare organizations definitely to take a peek at those denials and see what's what's really going on to um, to find that opportunity for additional additional revenue. I mean, some of the things we're finding is you know around authorization, accurate coding, even reimbursement is not accurate sometimes um, based on the con contractual level. So I, I almost think there's an opportunity for for contract rate negotiation too. Oh, I agree with you. I agree. You know, as you as you think about the impact of the economy and some of the changes that have occurred in healthcare, costs across the board are up anywhere between five to ten percent within within hospitals, within medical groups. And it's not like they haven't done a good job of reducing costs because they have. Do you think that? hospitals, healthcare leaders, do you think they're really giving the attention to the revenue cycle activities like they should? That's a great question. I, some may be, but I am seeing many are not. You know, it's interesting, Dan, we've been doing revenue cycle for, for a few decades here now, and um, we've had more revenue cycle engagements here in the past year than we've had in, in the last probably five to 10 years. Right. So I think that's a key indicator, right? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, with, with some of the conversations that I've had with CFOs, many of them believe that their the hospital revenue cycle is performing fairly adequate. But the physician side, the professional side of the revenue cycle, I think the one that is the area that's been lacking. And it's been lacking for some time. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I think there is that need to focus on improving the physician side of revenue cycle, especially as you start to see the number of employed physicians continue to increase. And then alongside with that, the professional side of the managed care contracting has really not been given the attention that it should. Most of the time, managed care leaders will give a little bit on the physician side in order to get the higher reimbursement maybe on the hospital side. Um, so to think about it 
in its entirety, longitudinally from a negotiation standpoint, I really do believe that that's an opportunity as well. So when we think about 2023, in my mind, there's five strategies that are really resonating as, as, as areas that um, healthcare leaders really need to pay attention to. So I'm going to read those off real quick, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you for your opinion on some of these and, and your responses to them. So the first one is the continued evolution of primary care. As we know, there's a lot of non-traditional healthcare providers that are coming into the market, but more than that, patients are consumers. Um, their needs have been changing related to primary care. And I think we're gonna to continue to see primary care evolve. Number two, alongside with that, as I mentioned, a lot of non-traditional providers are entering into the healthcare space, uh, technology vendors, a lot of retail vendors, the Amazons, the Googles of the world, certainly going to continue to impact healthcare moving forward. And number three, and you, you mentioned some of this, our reimbursement, growth and Medicare Advantage, risk-based contracts are going to be even more prevalent in 2023 than, than we've seen in 2022 and, be, and, and, and even prior to that. Four is workforce. And it's not only recruiting the right level of staff that I feel is going to be important, but it's improving what I would call workforce well-being. And it's it's for the clinical staff, the non-clinical staff, as well as the physicians. And number five is the continued financial improvement that has to occur. And it's not gonna come from cutting staff, but it's gonna come through operational effectiveness. It's going to occur through reducing clinical variation reduction. And as you mentioned, a continued focus on revenue cycle. Of those five, um, you know, any thoughts, any comments, any ideas come to mind as you as you think about some of the conversations you've had with some of your healthcare leaders around the country? Yeah, so I would probably say the fourth one, workforce, seems to come up quite a bit. Um, as we've done surveys with our strategy work, every single time we survey providers, what is their pain point? Workforce seems to come to the top of the list. And like you mentioned, Dan, it's not only the physician, the providers, the, the clinical providers, but it's, it's really the entire workforce, the staff as well. There's a lot of competition with, um, you know, other, you know, other companies out there, not non healthcare companies that are competing in this space. I mean, I was out on the West Coast not too long ago, and there was a sign on the, on the window of a uh, fast food restaurant, I think it was $24 <laughs> per <Wow>. hour. <laughs> So, and, and some of the other large, you know, uh, uh, retail vendors, the large ones we all know of, they're offering very, very higher high wages compared to some of our workforce in healthcare. Right. So right. healthcare providers now have to compete with those rates. And right. And and how do hospitals compete with that? I think that's some of the that's some of the challenges that we see. If you're just tuning in, I'm Daniel Marino, and you're listening to Value Based Care Insights. I'm here talking to Lucy Zielinski. We're spending some time discussing some of the, the key strategies that are gonna be important to healthcare, to healthcare providers in 2023. 
Lucy, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into a little bit more of, of workforce. Um, you know, when you when you think about these changes in um, some of the wage activities, uh, you know, there's still I, I think there's a lot of reasons why our healthcare colleagues are looking to get out of healthcare. I think one is the burnout factor. I think that's still occurring. Um, probably the the after effects of, of the pandemic. Um, certainly, I think that's that's one area. I think the other is this whole working at home, work-life balance, I think is, is a second area. But a third that I'd love to get your opinion on is I, I, I sort of feel like the leadership requirements within healthcare has changed and it's gonna continue to change. How, in your opinion, how is leadership development important towards to really um, say improving the overall well-being of our workforce? Yeah, Dan, I think healthcare organizations have to think differently, have to lead differently, have to act differently than they have in years past. Um, it's a very competitive environment like you talked about, not only with some of the retail outlets that are out there, but with virtual care, with technology and AI and <laughs> robotics and all kinds of wearables. I mean, there's, there's so much competition that we're seeing. So I think what leaders um, need to do is ask themselves what the question is, what, what skills do I personally need to succeed um, to pivot the organization? And then how do I engage my workforce? How do I right. engage my workforce to the point where they feel like there's a reason they're coming to work? Um, and they're, you know, the satisfaction surveys are, are, are not as important today as they were before. Right. Now it's more around, we're doing these engagement surveys now. Staff want to be seen, heard, and really valued for the work that they're doing. Yeah. And to the point where, you know what I think we're missing is um, we recently did a survey of a large physician group. And when we shared the results with them, what they realized is that they weren't connecting anymore. Right. And one of the um, ideas that they had was just to come around the table and have dinner again together and just to build relationships because they're all going through um, a very stressful time. And sometimes when you gather around in a social kind of casual environment, um, not only are you able to relate, but it's, it's, uh, there's ideas that come out of it. Yeah. And people like that. People you know? like that. Well, and they want to be heard. Like you said, they want to be engaged and we have to think about doing things definitely different. I'm going to jump on one of these other topics that um, is sort of near and dear to my heart. And that's the Evolution of primary care, let's say as a, as a service line, thinking about it different, but also the expansion of, of other service lines, um, cardiovascular services, maybe uh, neurosciences, orthopedics. We're seeing more and more hospitals, health systems, focusing on creating more comprehensive service lines. In your opinion, how are what, what's some of the value drivers there? Why why do you feel like at this point in time, moving into that level of, of service line growth is important? I think the first thing that comes to mind is is the fierce competition. I think of primary care. We talked about that. 
um, in order to kind of maintain that market share and keep the network <laughs> um, tight, you know, with the, with the patients who are in the community, I think every single healthcare system needs to think about it having a strong primary care strategy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And primary care has changed so much in the last three years. We're focused on, you know, you're going to have the non-traditional or the traditional primary care, right? Patients are going to still want to call and make an appointment, see their primary care physician, um, have that conversation. But more and more patients want convenience based into their primary care services. They, they want to get, you know, if they're sick, they want to get that support now, right? They don't want to wait 24 or 48 hours to get in and make an appointment. So they want convenience. They want um, quick access to some level of services and almost a level of, a, um, of immediate need, of immediate support uh, provided to them. Um, so they can sort of move on to their day. So it, it's interesting to see how primary care has evolved. Dan, I've even seen, um, I was reading something the other day, and uh, some of these retail clinics don't even require appointments. Yeah. For televisits or walk-in. I mean, so that is the level of service I think we as consumers are expecting, especially I think the younger population. Right. Right. And, you know, from from a value based care perspective, um, you know, if you have the retail clinics, you know, the Walgreens, Amazon's coming in, they're going to be focusing, focusing on this, um, this younger population, maybe the population that isn't uh, as complex or doesn't have as, as complicated needs as some of the, the older population. So the cost differential is going to be less. Maybe the margins aren't as high. But um, I, I think if we as healthcare providers don't focus our strategy on how we're going to take care of these patients, um, we run the risk of, of really uh, uh, of isolating this group and they're going to they're gonna get their services from, from somebody else. And it's, you know, in my mind, I believe it's all about convenience. The, the other area that I want to focus on a little bit is um, the growth of some of these other clinical service lines. You know, there's a lot of private equity money, venture capitalist money going into some of the service line growth, cardiovascular services, um, you know, and, and some of this I think is due to response and you know, service shifts from the hospital acute setting, the OR to the ambulatory setting and so forth. Anything um, resonating with you there on uh, some of the advancement in some of these clinical service lines? Any ideas or any advice on where some of the healthcare providers should really give some thought as they start to think about growing some of their service lines? I think the first step is to take a look at what you have and be really good at what you have. So rather than being good at everything and every single service line, um, sometimes it's not possible, especially for some of these smaller, you know, community hospital or rural health, uh, even, even the larger ones, Dan. So figure out what you're really good at. And if it's orthopedics, then, you know, then robotics, what's the latest and greatest and be really good at with some good, um, quality scores and, and just that good reputation in, in the community. 
And right. Focus on that. Well, and and you you bring up a good point. Uh, one of in our, our previous episodes, we had a CEO from a rural health provider on, and boy, one of the big pieces of advice that he gave is you can't be everything to everyone. You want to focus on your one or two things that you really want to be good at, put your resources there. And I just thought that was just spot on great advice because many of our providers are, you know, they're trying to provide everything to everybody, right? Take care of all the needs in, in the community. And although that's important, there's different ways that you can focus on that, but really to pay attention and, and build those services that you're really going to be good at. I think that's key. Yeah. Dan, if, I mean, personally, if I have, I, I don't know, if I have, um, a situation that requires a neurologist. I mean, I'm willing to drive a little further to get the best of the best rather than somebody in my community who's yeah. better. So that's yeah. you know, case in point. I think we're looking for, um, and, and, there, and you know online, there's a lot of data now where we can evaluate providers based on quality. People are looking at the five-star program. People are looking at you know leapfrog and some of the other um, health grades and even the comments. But yeah providers. Oh, they are. They are. I tell you, you know, we continue to use the internet for more and more knowledge, more and more insights, more and more understanding of, uh, of where we want to get our services from. Well, Lucy, this has been great. You know, as we enter into 2023, um, any advice from our listeners, anything that, um, you know, you might be able to, to offer as um, insights that would really help guide them as they as they move into this new year? Yeah, I think I think of four things just to focus on. Uh, take a look at your strategy, brush it off, create something new moving forward, ask some key critical questions. I think the second is, we, we touched on it, it's leadership, is do you have the right leaders? Um, I recently wrote an article uh, around diets and are you working together with your physician partners? Um, a next one would be around the financial performance. Assess that revenue cycle. Pretty simple. Just do a high-level review of that rev cycle. And then I think um, around workforce is, is the engagement piece. Focus on employee engagement. Consider doing a survey and asking them um, and, and evaluating how engaged your workforce is. Yeah, I agree. All great advice. And I think if if healthcare leaders can incorporate a lot of that into their strategy and their operating plans into 2023, that's what's going to continue to position themselves to um, to provide the the quality and to support that their patients that that they need to. Well, Lucy, thanks for for joining us today. I really I really appreciate it. Before we wrap up, though, um, I want to spend a couple of minutes responding to a few questions that I've had from from some of the audience, some of our listeners. We've been doing our podcast for, gosh, about three and a half years now, and it's really has done well. And the purpose of our of our podcast is really to share insights, to educate, um, to bring some interesting uh, topics and so forth from um, a lot of uh, industry experts across the country that we could share with all of you. But through some of the conversations that I've had, um, a few folks have asked me, well, how did I get into this? And you know, um, talk maybe a little bit about, about Lumina. So I thought I'd spend just a minute or so kind of giving you a little bit of background. Both Lucy and I, as well as some of our other colleagues are part of Lumina Health Partners. We are a advisory firm providing support to 
the provider community, we pretty much provide um, a lot of work around strategy, but as you would guess, we also get into a lot of the operational activities around managed care contracting, a lot around revenue cycle. We've done some work around improving financial performance, particularly on the medical group side. One of the things that I would offer to our listeners is on our website, we have a tremendous amount of resources. Not only do we have a list of all of our podcasts, but um, both Lucy and I, as well as a number of our colleagues, um, we've written uh, a large uh, number of articles and blogs, and we have a lot of tools and so forth all in the name of providing some great support, great insights to our, um, our colleagues in healthcare. So that website address is luminahp.com. If you hit on the insights page, you'll see all of our information there. So um, please you know, take a couple of minutes, look at that. And lastly, before I wrap up, I would love to hear from any and all of you. If you have some ideas, that you'd love to share or some great uh, stories that you'd love to, to tell, possibly become a guest on our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to uh, reach out even just to say hi. My email address is dmarino at luminahp.com. Again, that's dmarino at luminahp.com. As always, I wanna thank everybody for listening today. And hope you have a fantastic end to 2022. And I wish you all the best of luck as you enter into 2023. Until the next insight, I'm Daniel Marino, bringing you 30 minutes of value to your day. Take care. Are you at a crossroad with value-based care? Do you need to chart a future strategy or improve your organization's performance? Visit us at LuminaHP.com to learn more about our professional advisory services and leadership development programs. Also, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. To connect with Daniel Marino or for more information about the show, visit our website or healthcarenowradio.com. Join this conversation using our hashtag BBC Insights. We are Lumina Health Partners. Thank you for joining us today. Until the next value-based care insight, stay well.